0: are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit HarvestBrampton.ca. Lord Acton, this real old guy, he's not alive anymore, but he said, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that is true when it's speaking of us. And because of our sin our sin takes good things and twists those things and uses them in corrupted ways. But that is not true of Jesus. Jesus has absolute power. But Jesus never uses his power in a corrupted way. And that's because Jesus is perfect and without sin. Jesus always uses his power for the good of others. He always uses it in good ways. The reality is is that Jesus is powerful and he works powerfully on behalf of anyone who comes to him in faith. Through this series, this uh, four-week series that we've been in, this do not be afraid, we've seen reason after reason why we don't have to be afraid. Through the series, we've seen that Jesus has power over nature, that Jesus has power over distance, that he can heal people without even being in the same room. We've seen that Jesus has the power to transform lives. He changes Peter's life, Peter's life and uses him powerfully. And today, we're going to see that Jesus has power over illness and over death. And we're going to see that we need to be and can be grateful for this reality. Because of this power, you and I have hope. Those who have faith in Jesus. This power is available to all who come to Jesus in faith. Look with me at verse 40 of chapter 8. It says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. For they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physician, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. For I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him. And how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher any more. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear. Only believe, and she will be well. And when he Came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. So, Father, we thank you for your perfect and inerrant word. And, God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who helps us to understand your word and also helps us to uh, be able to live the things in your word. And, God, I pray that you, uh, in your power, would meet with us. You would help us. You would speak to us powerfully. I pray you'd speak to the believer in the room, and I pray you would speak powerfully to the unbeliever in the room and cause that person to turn to Jesus Christ for salvation. And God, those of us who have turned, would you encourage us by what is said? Would people hear you speaking through me, I pray? Would you do a supernatural thing right now? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's our first point. Jesus helps all so we should urgently seek his power. In Luke 8, verse 37, it says that the people on the other side of the lake desperately wanted Jesus to leave. They wanted him out of the region. But these, this crowd, this people on the other side of the lake, they were welcoming Jesus back. They were excited to have him. They were waiting for him. And so this crowd has gathered as they come back. And in this crowd... This ruler comes, a ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, comes. And he comes because he wants Jesus to help. Uh, the synagogue was the social and spiritual center of the Jewish community. And Jairus is the ruler here. He's one of the elders. He would have been responsible for overseeing the teaching ministry. So he's responsible for who speaks. He, his job was to organize the public worship and Jairus was a well-respected man. He was, he was well thought of in the community. Jairus is someone who people wanted to be around. They looked up to him, but none of that matters right now because verse 41 says, and there came a man, Jairus, who was a ruler. He came and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house for he had an only daughter who was 12 years of age and she was dying. None of, of his credentials matter to him right now because his daughter is dying. And he comes imploring Jesus to come and help. He's heard of all the different miracles that Jesus has worked. He's heard about the power of Jesus. And now he wants Jesus to come and work another powerful miracle to help him. The detail that she is 12 years old is very important. That that tells us of uh, some significant things uh, going on in the story. In the first century when a girl was 12 years old, when she reached that age, that was the age where she could get married. And so Jairus is concerned. His daughter is in the prime of her life and he wants her to experience all that life has to offer implored conveys this idea of intense begging pleading with Jesus falling at his feet shows that Jairus was a humble man and a vulnerable man so many people miss out on the help that they need the help that they need From Jesus because they refuse to be humble, they refuse to be vulnerable, they refuse to say, I need help. Let's not be people like that. Let's embrace humility in our life. Let's embrace vulnerability when it's needed and urgently seek His help. We see from Jairus this intense love that a parent has for their child, this intense desire to see their children live a long and full life. No parent should feel bad for feeling this way. No parent should feel bad for having this natural desire, this natural want. No parent should be ashamed for praying for this for your children. It's right and it's good. And so full of compassion, Jesus immediately goes with him. Look at verse 42. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately the discharge of blood ceased. And so, as Jesus goes, Luke says the crowd is pressing in on him. Another translation says the crowd is actually crushing Jesus. It's so massive, so big, they're squeezing in to try to get near him that he's being crushed. And in this crowd that is crushing him, we meet this other person who has a desperate need, this woman. And she's different than Jairus in many ways but she's just as needy. We don't know her name, but we do know her medical condition. She's had this issue of blood for over a decade. She's had this problem as long as this little girl, Jairus' little girl, has been alive. And her condition is serious. And her condition actually ruined her life. Leviticus 15 19 says that she was considered unclean and so she was not allowed to enter the temple she was not allowed to participate in the public worship she was not allowed to touch anyone if she touched someone they were considered unclean and so this woman this poor woman is an outcast she is isolated this woman was cut off in every way for 12 years. She hadn't even received a hug from someone. It's no wonder that she tried everything she could to get rid of this condition. In Mark's gospel, it says that she had suffered much under many physicians. She tried many ways to get rid of this thing. And it says, and she was no better, but grew worse. She grew worse. Luke is not as critical of the doctors as Mark was, but he does mention her medical bills. It said she spent all, not some, all of her living trying to correct this. And so she's broke. She has nothing. And she's no better. She's only worse. And when you stop to think of this woman's... Again, this poor woman, her situation, you realize that she experienced physical suffering, that she experienced theological suffering, that she experienced social suffering, and she experienced financial suffering. She lost her money. She lost her relationships. She lost all of her strength. She is not a member of society that people want to be around. People want to be around Jairus. People don't want to be around this woman. See, Jairus and this woman, they're on on different ends of the social ladder. He's up top. She is down low. Jairus is respected. She is ignored. Jairus is an insider. She is an outsider. She is pushed Out, but what you see here is that Jesus is willing to help them both. Jairus is up high, she is low, but Jesus does not hesitate. Jairus comes pleading, and Luke says, just simply Jesus went with him. This woman comes touching, and Jesus stops to help her. And in point number two, we are going to see just how much. Jesus helps this woman. See, it didn't matter to Jesus whether one was high on the social ladder or whether one was low. He is willing to help all people who urgently seek his power. Acts, in the book of Acts, Acts 10, 34, says, Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. Jesus is God. I said this last week, I will say it again. Luke continues to make that point. Jesus is God. He wants us as believers to continue to believe that. He wants the unbelievers in the room to believe that, that Jesus is God, this God who gave everything for us, this God who is refusing to be partial, to treat all people well, to look after them, to use his power In their life, regardless of where they are, he's willing to help the the religious ruler, the guy at the top. And he's willing to help this poor woman. And as followers of Jesus Christ, this is the kind of living we're called to. That as we follow Jesus, that we're supposed to live like this. James chapter 2 says, my brothers... My brothers and sisters, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that we're tempted to do is to be partial, that we see different people and we see where they are in the social standing and we want to help some and we want to ignore others and the Bible says no, no, no. We help all types of people, regardless of their race and economic status, regardless of where they are in the world, how the world views them. We view them differently. We see them as people, as human beings, and we are not partial. We help all people the way Jesus helps all people. And we can live like this because the Spirit is in us. And so we submit to the Spirit's leading when people come to us for help. And so Jairus and this woman don't share much in common, but we do know that they share one thing in common. Both of them have a critical problem that they can't solve on their own. Both of them have a critical problem that is beyond human help, and they both are urgently seeking the power of Jesus in their lives situation. And this is what we share in common with Jairus and this lady. Regardless of where we are on the social ladder, whether we're up or whether we're down, from Kanye West to Marvin Makuti, all people face problems that are beyond human help. And where we go when those problems come into our life tells us where our faith lies. It tells us if we have faith or not in the right place where it should be. I live this this week. This message, as I was getting ready to write this sermon and studying this passage, I was struggling. And it was, it just wasn't coming. And then it was Tuesday, I'm like, it's only Tuesday, I got a little bit, I got some time. Then it was Wednesday, nothing. Thursday, Nothing. Pastor Ted came back. He came into my office. and I'm like, I've got nothing. I'm, I think I'm just going to get up and I'm going to pray and say, see you guys next week. And he kind of smiled and left. I'm like, are you going to help? Nothing. Nothing was coming. Nothing at all. The whole sermon actually didn't come together until Friday night at like 10 o'clock. Nothing. And then so I'm driving home on Thursday. I'm like, God, why are you doing this to me? I thought you loved me. I'm a good guy. Come on. You're supposed to help. And as I'm driving down Steeles, and for whatever reason, they've like dropped Steeles down to one lane. And so it's all kinds of traffic at 5 o'clock. And so I'm driving. And then as I get to Steeles in Mississauga Road, the spirit just gently, gently reminded me. It's like, Marv? The reason why the sermon is not coming is because you're going everywhere else for help except the place you're supposed to go for help. You're going here. You're going to the smart guys, the commentaries. You're, you're asking other people what they think. You're just going here, here, here rather than humbly and being vulnerable, pleading with Jesus, urgently seeking his help. And he says, the moment, amen, the moment you turn to Jesus, Mark, the sermon will come. And so this portion of scripture teaches us Jesus is our help and that he helps all who seek him urgently. He's help for the helpless. And we're supposed to go where true power Resides. Jesus is ready to help all who fall down before him in faith. Anyone who urgently seeks him the way Jairus and this woman urgently seek Jesus for his help. And when Jesus helps us, there's a very specific way Jesus wants us to handle that. Look, at, look with me at verse 44 again. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately the discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, declared in the presence of all people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Point number two is this, Jesus heals us so we should publicly declare his work. The moment she touched Jesus, the issue of blood ceased. Just like the wind and the waves in the storm ceased, years of agony, years of embarrassment, all gone in one brief touch. It highlights the reality that Jesus is willing to heal us. And Jesus asks, who was it that touched me? This is like a celebrity turning to a whole group of photographers and saying, who took my picture? Like, how are we supposed to know that? And Peter even says that. He's like, look at the crowd. Are you, are you kind of aware, Jesus? I mean, I'm in it with you. And how are we supposed to know? And all the disciples think this. Peter's just kind of representing all of them. But Jesus presses on. He says, power has gone out from me. Jesus understands he's been touched in a different way. All kinds of people are touching Jesus. But only one person touches him with faith he says power has gone out who touched me now some people think jesus asked this question for his own information but jesus knows who touched him he's aware of who touched him he doesn't ask for his benefit he asks for the benefit of the woman and the crowd his question is meant to draw her out publicly he wants her to speak up. This is a test of her faith. She wanted to go unnoticed. And when Jesus asked this question, she was probably terrified. It's like the shoplifter who hears the store clerk go, what you got in your pocket? Or what's in the bank? You know, your stomach just kind of falls out. You're terrified. She wanted to remain anonymous. That's why she came up in the crowd. Remember, she's not allowed to touch anyone. And so she's afraid of being publicly humiliated for doing this. This woman wants to touch and run. She wants to slip away. When she realizes that she has been seen, it says she falls, just like Jairus falls at the feet of Jesus. She falls at his feet and declares. Look at verse 47. It says, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. See, Jesus doesn't call her out because he wants to embarrass her. He's got way too much compassion. Jesus wouldn't do that to this poor lady. He doesn't want to embarrass her. Jesus wants her to publicly declare his work In her life. See, everyone now, Luke says she does this in all, in the presence of all the people. So everyone there now knows she is healed and they know who has the power to do it. And then Jesus praises her faith. Verse 48 And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Her belief saved her. Jesus embraces her into the family of God. We know that because he says daughter. He calls her daughter. Twelve years. Twelve years this woman has been alienated from society. And now she is embraced into the family of God. God, Jesus calls her daughter because he wants her to know that she is loved. He wants her to know that she is healed. He wants her to know that she is as loved by him in the same way that Jairus loves his daughter. She is a daughter of God. And he sends her away with a blessing of his peace. And this is not an internal kind of subjective feeling. This is a state that exists between this woman and God because of her faith. Her faith saved her. And this, this, uh, this, this praise that Jesus gives to her, this blessing that he gives to her, would have only helped her to feel more and more encouraged and welcomed into God's family. See, this woman comes to Jesus in all of her turmoil. She comes desperate for physical peace. She comes desperate for social peace. She comes desperate for spiritual peace. And she has all of that now because of her faith in Jesus. Because she believed Jesus had the power to do this. And so she urgently sought him. See, Jesus heals her in every way. And Jesus heals us like this. He heals us, those who have placed their faith in him, those who believe the gospel that Jesus died for us, that he lived for us perfectly without sin, and that he was risen from the grave on the third day. Those who believe that, he heals them. In my message on Good Friday, I shared this, and I will share it again, all the ways that Jesus heals us. He heals us spiritually, and he does that by giving us a new heart. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, he takes that old, stony heart that only wants to do its own thing and destroy its life, and he gives us a new heart, a heart of flesh, and he gives us the spirit that wants to do what God has said in his word, and not only wants to do it, because we have the spirit, can do what the Bible And then he heals us legally. We're completely forgiven. My bad record, all my sin goes to Jesus. His good record, all of his perfection comes to me and I go free because of faith. He heals us emotionally. We don't have to walk around anymore just being anxious and fearful all of the time. Because we have the spirit in us. And we can submit to the Spirit and live Spirit-led lives rather than lives that are just dragging us around by our feelings. We can be led by the Spirit now. And Jesus heals us physically. And that happens and has happened for some now. But the guarantee is it's going to happen for everyone in the end that we are going to get a new and glorified body and just like this woman, Jesus wants us to declare that. He wants us to publicly share that. Now, that doesn't mean we have to go and buy bumper stickers. There's nothing wrong with bumper stickers. But it does mean that in the moments that God gives us, we humbly share what he has done in our life. We share with others. Jesus loves it when we tell other people the powerful way he has worked in our life. Just like this woman, we come to Jesus in all of our turmoil, all of our sin, and Jesus doesn't look at us and go, well, got to clean all that up first. Jesus looks at us and he's like, yes, I can work with this. All our turmoil and our sin, and he heals us. But like this woman, We're fearful sometimes to speak up. We're fearful to publicly declare, but we don't have to be afraid. Jesus is with us. See, we live in a society that wants to make faith private. Keep that to yourself. Keep that in your house. You do your thing on Sunday, but just kind of don't talk about it here. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus is telling us, faith is not private. Don't be afraid. Speak up. Faith is public. Our flesh makes us anxious and tries to cripple us into fear. But what we need to remember in those moments is that we are in the family of God. And that in this family, we will never be rejected. Society might reject us for declaring our faith and belief in the power of Jesus. But Jesus, because of his love, will never reject us. And so we can face rejection and publicly share what he has done, not in obnoxious ways, in gentle and respectful ways, but boldly with courage, courageously being clear about who Jesus is, what he has done, and his power in our lives. Jesus does all of this. He is our healer. He heals us and he can heal the unbeliever sitting in this room. I know there's unbelievers in this room right now. And I say this every time I speak and I say it because I really believe it, that Jesus can save you, that Jesus can heal you. If you turn to him by faith, if you respond to the conviction that the spirit brings every time you sit in a sermon, if you respond to that call and turn to him, he will work powerfully in your life. He heals all who urgently seek him all who reject pride and humbly fall at his feet. The Bible says that by his wounds we are healed. And it happens when we turn to him. And I hope that you see that. And I hope that you turn. Now while Jairus, uh, Jesus is speaking to this woman, Jairus is waiting. He's Waiting, and we can imagine how difficult this must have been for him. He's like, my daughter is dying. We got to hurry up. Like, why are we stopping? Come on, come on. There's no time to waste. And while he is waiting, the news that he has been dreading, the news that he has been fearing comes. Look at verse 49. While he was still speaking, Someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus on hearing this answered him, do not fear. Only believe and she will be well. A person comes from Jairus' house and he says, it's too late. Uh, it, he waited too long. She's, she's passed away. Jesus doesn't need to come anymore. This highlights this person's unbelief. See, they they may have believed that Jesus could heal her, but they don't believe he can raise her from the dead. This is another person who doesn't fully understand who Jesus is. They don't understand that Jesus is God. Luke is saying that he is God, and because he is God, he has power over this Our last enemy. He has power over death. Now, hearing this news probably filled Jairus with fear and grief. And Jesus knows and understands this. And he looks at him and he says, Do not fear, Jairus. I understand right now you're fearful. He says, Do not fear, only believe. Another translation says, Only have faith. Jairus, only faith. Have faith like this woman. Believe like her. And if you believe like her, Jairus, you will see me work powerfully in your life. Jesus is saying, Jairus, I understand your fear. Jairus, trust me. Jairus, be patient. Jairus, there's no need to hurry. You got the right God. Here's our final point. Jesus understands our fear, so we should patiently trust his timing. Grief is flooding his heart. Just like the the woman, her faith was tested. Jairus, his faith is being tested. And Jesus doesn't want fear to choke out his faith. He's concerned for Jairus' faith, and he says, only Believe. See, Jairus wanted Jesus to hurry up, but Jesus is in no hurry. Jesus is going at his own pace, and that's because his timing for doing things is much different than our timing. Daryl Bach says it like this it's on the screen for you. said, It's often the case that what we think God ought to do right now, God chooses to act on later. While what we would have put off, he chooses to handle right away. What is amazing is how, how often upon reflection and given the perspective of a longer range of events, the sequence God brought to pass in my life made much better sense than what I would have lobbied for. We can patiently trust Jesus. Because his timing always makes more sense than our timing. His ways are higher than our ways. If Jesus is delaying something in your life, don't give up. Be patient. Trust him. And I know that it's easy for me to say that, and it's much harder for us to live. And so I need you to understand that I'm not trying to be insensitive to what is going on in your life and the thing that you are waiting on, the thing that you need to trust his timing for. But we've got to believe that he loves us and that he knows what he's doing with us, that he's using his power in our life in a in a good way, that he's not using his power to harm us. See, trusting in the care of Jesus means waiting on his timing for events. One part of faith, one part of faith is patiently waiting on the Lord because he knows best. He knows what is best for us and is only doing good to us. So Jairus is, faith is being tested and he passes the test he passes the test see Jairus believed that Jesus could do what seemed impossible and because of that he saw Jesus work powerfully look at verse 51 and when he came to the house so they carry on when he came to the house he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. The mourners have gathered at the house, and the noise of their grief is filling the house. And Jesus hears all this, and he says, don't weep. She is not dead. And the crowd laughed at Jesus. They know a dead girl when they see one. But when Jesus says she is not dead, he's not offering a different diagnosis. He is, when he says she's not dead, introducing a new perspective on what it means to die in light of his power. Because of the power of Jesus, death is like sleep. And so the crowd laughed at him. They laughed So they get left outside. Laughter at Jesus. Never a good idea. Laughter, doubt, lack of faith leads to being left outside. And I believe that there is a lesson in that for us, for people today. The people who laugh at Jesus. What's going to happen to them is they're going to be left outside for their lack of faith. Look at verse 54. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Jesus touches her. Jesus speaks to her. The same way her mother would have spoken to her every morning with a gentleness, with a tenderness. He says, child, arise. And she wakes up. She gets up. A simple touch brings her back to life. Just like the touch of the woman. Just like that touch. One touch from Jesus and everything changes. Jairus saw the power of Jesus because of his faith. His sorrow is turned to joy because he believed. Then he says, give give her something to eat. Giving her something to eat confirms that she had been restored to life. The food would have been, uh, been to help her regain her strength. And then Jesus tells them to tell no one. He does this Because Jesus is not looking for immediate publicity. Jesus, his ministry was about more than just working miracles. Jesus didn't come to just do miracles. Jesus came to do so much more than that. He came to give his life. He came so that the power of death over us could be broken. See, Jesus understands our fear of death. But we don't have to fear death. Because of Jesus, we can face it with hope, not fear. We can face it with faith. What happened to Jairus' daughter is a picture of what will happen to every single person who has faith in Jesus Christ. The joy that Jairus experienced is the same joy that we will experience on the day when we are resurrected. I love how Tim Keller explains this. He says, Jesus is saying by his actions, if I have you by the hand, when we placed our faith in Jesus, when we believed the gospel, he grabbed us by the hand. He embraced us into his family. So he's holding us. He says, If I have you by the hand, death itself is nothing but sleep. Part of the purpose of this miracle is to show that all who come to Jesus believing in his power, that all who do this, that one day, very soon, we will be resurrected to new life. He's got us by the hand. See, we all face death, but death, is not the end for us. Jesus is our hope and gives us hope. In the same way that he was raised on the third day, we will be raised. And we know this by faith. And so by faith, we patiently wait. We patiently wait. Because in his perfect timing, we will experience his resurrecting And so we wait through all the storms, through all of the difficulties, through all of the suffering that that is life here on this earth. Through all of these things that cause us to feel fear. We can wait through those things in faith. Believing. Believing in all of his promise. Promises that he has made to us. That one day we will experience this. Because Jesus is unfailing. And the reality is we will see victory come. Jesus is powerful. Powerful. We need to believe that. Jesus is powerful. Here's the best part. He works powerfully for everyone who comes to him in faith he's unfailing he loves us we don't have to be afraid we can live our life by faith trusting him because he's coming for us let's pray father we thank you for your son jesus christ and we thank you that he uses his power in good ways in powerful ways in our life when we believe in him when we come to him, when we humbly fall at his feet. I pray for those who have not done that. Would you cause them, would you move them by your power, O oh Lord, to turn to Jesus, falling at his feet in vulnerability and humility, asking for his saving power in their life. And I pray for those who have already done that. Lord, would you give us faith? Would you help us to not live in fear, but to live by faith, knowing that one day soon we will be with you, that you will raise us to life, and that in that resurrection that joy will come and that we will spend all eternity rejoicing with you in your love. Thank you for your Son, who we can urgently seek at all times, who loves us, who helps us, who is our hope. We can pray this, Lord, to you because... Of him. This has been an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church or to contact us, please visit harvestbrampton.ca.